Oh. Right now, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter number 4. We'll continue our lesson on, on um, Elisha. And looking at the container this morning, uh, the container that, uh, that the widow woman had, 2 Kings chapter number 4. And uh, as we look at this, it's interesting to think about Elisha's life. He has just, um, if you remember the war that took place in 2 Kings chapter 3 between those three kings. And Elisha, of course, had consulted with those three kings. And uh, they, they rather went down to see Elisha. And, uh, and you can see that he gave them great counsel. And so in 2 Kings chapter 4, he is now dealing with a widow woman. And, uh, and we'll see that in chapter 4 as we look at this. But uh, who was it, this quote from? I think it's Matthew Henry said it this way. Uh, great service Elisha had done in the foregoing chapter for the three kings to his prayers and prophecies. They owed their lives and triumph. One would have expected that the next chapter should have told us that what honors and what dignities were conferred on Elisha for this, that he should have been immediately preferred at court and made prime minister of state, at, that Jehoshaphat should have taken him home with him and advanced him in the kingdom. But no, the wise men delivered the army, but no man remembered the wise man. And that's certainly true uh, as you read this. So, so Elisha was consulted for that whole war, and God gave a great victory in that. And you would think, well, the kings would honor him. And, and certainly they would uh, be wise and say, hey, let's bring him to our kingdom, and let's uh, make him one of our consultants, and we want him close to the palace so he can advise us. And, and that did not take place uh, as we we see. And uh, it's often that the world notices important, prominent people, uh, but they're very careful to select somebody who is not religious. Matter of fact, if you become too religious, then, boy, they kind of push you out of the spotlight. They don't want you to be uh, have a voice or have a place uh, to be able to talk. You see that in sports players, too. Uh, that happens. You know, you see people who are uh, good sports players and they're very outspoken Christians. And the more outspoken they are, the less microphone they get, the less light they get because uh, or screen time because they don't want to promote those kind of things. And uh, we see that take place here in Elisha's life that he's not really uh, noted. He's not noticed for the good uh, that he did. And now we find and this speaks well to the character of Elisha that uh, he's not working for that. He's not moping because he did not get that, but rather he's serving wherever he's needed. And he is now serving uh, with this widow woman. And so look with me in 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? And she said, Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. And when he said, then he said, Go. Borrow thee vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. 
And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shalt pour out into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. And it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more. And the oil, and the oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil, and pay thy debt, and live thou and thy children of the rest." Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your many blessings. God, I pray that you would just bless the service this morning. God, I pray that you'd bless each and every one of the classes. I pray, Father, that you would use me, speak through me. God, as we look at this lesson of the container of oil that this widow woman had, and God, I pray that you would just speak to our hearts, teach us the lessons, God, that we need to learn from your word. God, I pray that all of this in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this container, uh, we, I want you to notice a few things about this, uh, this lady and this uh, situation that really took place here. I want you to notice the distress of the widow. Uh, it seems like when it rains, it pours. Is anybody else like that? I mean, it happens in my life, you know, you get one problem and then it's like, uh, you know, it just snowballs and gets bigger and everything goes wrong at once. And, uh, and this poor widow woman, uh, she had a lot of problems going on in her life. And as we look at this, uh, you'll certainly be able to see that very clearly that she experienced all these problems. I want you to notice, number one, her sorrow. Uh, look with me at verse number one. Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And we, we find the sorrow of this widow woman as her husband had passed away. And listen, I, I, when I do funerals and I tell people, hey, it's not wrong to grieve. Uh, matter of fact, you should grieve. There's a, there's a process of that and, and you'll certainly feel that loss. And this widow woman <coughs> at this time was feeling that loss. Uh, we don't know how old, she, old her husband was. Uh, I, I tend to think uh, since the association with the schools of the prophets, maybe he taught there, maybe he was a student there. I don't know. Uh, we really don't have much information about her husband. Uh, but, but we do know this. They did have a couple of sons and they were working age. And so uh, obviously uh, he, they had been together for some time nonetheless. But uh, the, the sons were probably still at home at least. Uh, and so, you know, we got to think around, uh, you know, 18 years maybe or, or 20 or, or maybe less. But we know that they had been together for a while, but she lost her husband. And, uh, and boy, what a sorrowful time it was for her. And uh, not only that, not just the sorrow that she had in her life, but I want you to notice this as well in our passage that uh, she mentions there at the end of that verse that the servant did fear the Lord and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. Not only was there sorrow from the passing of her, of her husband, but on top of that, uh, the scarcity. Uh, she didn't have much in the house. And, and obviously she had debt. And, 
and uh, as the, the uh, creditors were coming and they were saying, hey, we're going to take your sons. If you don't pay this debt uh, that you owe, then your sons are going to have to come and they're going to have to work for us and work off the debt that is owed. And so she doesn't have much. Matter of fact, Elisha asks her in, in verse number two, what, hey, what do you have? What can I do for you? What do you have in your house? And she says, well, I don't really have anything save for a pot of oil in her house. She goes to her cupboards and she looks and there's really nothing there of value. There's not much food. She doesn't have any valuables. She has debt. Uh, and, and this is a real problem uh, of scarcity for her. I was thinking about this and uh, as studying just for the book of Revelation. We're going through the book of Revelation and we're going to jump back in tonight. We've been off for a while for Christmas and all of that. But uh, uh, really... In America, by and large, you and I and the majority of people, we really don't know what it's like to have hard times. The majority of us do not. Um, I read the other day on the news, uh, it, was, it was just curious to me, but a, a homeless person living in, I can't remember if it was Oregon or Washington or California, it was out west, way out there somewhere, and one of those states, and, uh, and they said, oh, it's really easy to be homeless here. We sleep in a tent and do whatever we want. They literally said we just get high, uh, and then we, we just go and uh, go to this restaurant, and they feed us three meals a day, and we can do whatever we want in between those times, and we just live in a tent on the streets, and I thought, yeah, we really don't know what hard times are. Uh, when, and, and really, uh, there is help out there for many people. And, and I don't begrudge people who fall on hard times. And I don't doubt there are some who have had some difficulty in their life. I'm not saying that we don't. But by and large in America, we don't know what hard times are. Uh, we don't really know what a famine is. We don't really know and understand to us uh, a hard time is, well, we don't have enough money to go out to get a Big Mac that we want to get uh, or, or to get uh, eat at our favorite restaurant or something like that. Many times that's our hardship. But this lady was dealing with it, poverty uh, and real hardship. Um, and, and I'm reminded as we think about the school of the prophets and I think about of course, myself having kids in Bible college and uh, others that have kids, I know this, that college kids, they just struggle. They do. It doesn't matter. Uh, they're, it's going to be tight. It's going to be tough on them. And perhaps uh, her husband, either being involved with the Bible college or the school of the prophets or maybe even a student, uh, there's no doubt that uh, maybe they were also struggling with some of these things. Obviously, they were because they also had debt. And so we find that uh, there's a scarcity, not just the sorrow of the passing of her husband, but then on top of that, uh, these guys come and knocking at her door and saying, hey, uh, we need payment. And, uh, and it was a problem. Um, thinking about salary and thinking about uh, debt, uh, I want to mention this because it just bugs me. Ohio, Ohio in the month of January just legalized sports gambling. Uh, listen, that's... Uh, that's just sin. All right. We'll just call it what it is. It's sin. Uh, and, it, and it's a form of just trying to get rich quick that many people do. Uh, and, and listen, I had a I had a family member. Uh, I have a family member. I used to at least worked in the lottery system. And uh, I'll leave all names out. But uh, he worked in the lottery system. He said, I would never play the lottery. It's rigged so that you can't. You know what happens 
One person, yes, gets a lot of money, but all the people that are involved working it, they're getting rich. They are making a lot of money, and a lot of people who are poor continue giving their money and giving their money and giving their money that they don't have to give away, uh, hoping that, all oh, this will be the one that they'll get the money so that they can uh, take care of everything. Listen, they'd be far better off taking all the money that they've given to, those, uh, to the lottery and to gambling and to those things and, and applying it to their bills or putting it in savings or buying groceries with it would be far better off than giving it to the, all these companies that are making money uh, off of other people. And, and so uh, I'm sure that this was not a problem in this widow woman's life. I don't think she got into debt with gambling, uh, but a lot of people do. And, uh, and it's certainly a problem. Um, and, and listen, debt in general, we ought to be very careful of debt. I've spoken on that many times on, on Wednesday nights when we were going through the book of Proverbs. But it is something that you ought to be careful of. Uh, and it's not, you know, we need to make sure that we live within our means and within our budget and things like that. And, and so uh, obviously things were tight. Obviously there was a, a problem, at least with finances. And, uh, and they ended up in debt. So not only do we see her sorrowing, we see her scarcity. But I want you to notice this as well, because uh, the, the creditors have come. And, and they're ready to take her two children and say, hey, they're going to come work for us until the debt is paid off. Save, go, save your spot here. Go with me to Leviticus chapter number 25. Leviticus chapter 25. We see this idea of servitude. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, I, I know I'm not going to get this right. This is a paraphrase of it. Uh, but uh, the, borrower, the borrower is servant to the lender. And, uh, and that's kind of a biblical concept. That's the idea there. Look with me in Leviticus chapter number 25 and verse number 39. We're not talking about slavery. Many times we'll associate bondmen with slavery uh, and things like that. But if you look in the law of the Bible, Leviticus 25 and verse number 39, it will clarify that it's not really slavery. Uh, in this case of the creditor and the debtor. Uh, Leviticus chapter 25 and verse number 39, 25-39. And if thy brother that dwelleth by thee be waxen poor and be sold unto thee, thou shalt not compel him to serve as a bond servant, but as an hired servant and as a sojourner, he shall be with thee and he shall serve thee unto the year of jubilee. And so that idea of a bond servant is somebody who would owe, uh, in other words, hey, maybe they have a debt and that they're to work off that debt and pay that off. And, and if they cannot pay that off before the year of Jubilee uh, and the year of Jubilee was, hey, when they, they, they release everyone. Uh, and, and all debts are forgiven. And, and so just before the year of Jubilee, you don't want to be lending out a lot of money because uh, the next year and then it's all going to be forgiven and you don't want that. Uh, but, uh, uh, but that was the idea was, hey, that they would work and that they would pay off their debt and, uh, and pay back what they owe. That's a biblical concept. Uh, people today, a lot of people file bankruptcy and, and you say, well, well, what happens? Somebody's paying for that debt. Debt doesn't just disappear. It doesn't just evaporate. Uh, the companies pay for it, and then they raise their rates, and everyone else pays for it. Uh, we were at the store the other day, and and 
uh, they, it was, a comment was made, well, just buy it, use it, and then return it. I thought, I'm not doing that in good conscience. Uh, you know, you do that, and then the company eats the loss, and then the company raises the, the price on their products. And, and really, uh, people think, well, that's just that simple. Well, listen, uh, finance is a lot deeper than that. And, uh, and somebody's going to end up eating it. And so we find that this lady, not only was she sorrowful for the loss of her uh, husband, uh, there was scarcity, there was nothing in her house, and then the, the creditors were, were knocking on her door, threatening to take her children so that they could go to work and pay off this debt uh, that was owed. And so what I'm saying is, there's a lot of problems going on in this house. There was a lot of distress uh, could you imagine, just think and put yourself in that situation and the amount of stress that this lady was under uh, on top of the fact that, hey, probably every day they're thinking, man, I don't know what we're going to eat. I don't know how we're going to get through this day. Uh, and there was all kinds of problems uh, for this widow woman. But I want you to notice this, the directives for the widow. Uh, I love this in verse 2 down through 5. We'll look at this. But she turned to the man of God and turned to God. And what a great place to go in a time of trouble. Sometimes we're like, well, you know, people will turn to God in times of trouble. And that's not always true. But listen, if you find yourself in trouble, there's no better place than to turn to God. That's the best place to go. And this widow woman, that's what she did. She said, hey, I'm going to go to God. And, uh, and listen, uh, we'll look at this, but we find that there were some, some things that Elisha said. You notice there in verse number three. Then he said, go borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors. Isn't that funny that uh, here she is, she has a debt problem. And here's God, the man of God, Elisha, saying, hey, go borrow more. Uh, and it's kind of an oddity uh, of what is taking place. And, uh, and so here she is. She's having to go to her neighbors. Listen, there's a little bit of humility there. Uh, having to go to your neighbors, say, hey, can I borrow some empty vessels? Well, yeah, what's going on? Well, I'm having this problem, and the man of God told me to go borrow some empty vessels. Well, I'll give you a full one. No, no, I don't want a full one. I want an empty one. And, and there's that humility of, of having to go to your neighbors and ask for that. And, and listen, the man of God gave her those instructions. And, uh, and so there she had to go out. And it really was a test of her faith. Are you going to go and you're going to ask? And you're going to do your part? Listen, many times God, people want to sit back and they want God to work a miracle that does not involve them. They want God to do something, but they don't want to lift a finger. They don't want to take a step of faith. They don't want to exercise anything on their part. They just want God uh, to, to, instead of providing, uh, multiplying the oil that she has, would just drop a boatload of cash in my, on my table. That, that's the same. I mean, in all, in all effectiveness, it's all the same. No, it's not the same. Because she had to go and she had to do stuff and she had to involve herself and even go to others and borrow uh, some things. And I want you to notice this. Look at there as he says there in verse number three at the end. Borrow not a few. He's like, hey, don't, don't go out and borrow five containers. Okay, I want you to go and I want you to borrow a lot of containers. I want you to go to all your neighbors and borrow all the empty containers that they, they have. Now you have to think of this. 
my home, we have, I, yesterday I threw out a bunch of containers. My wife said, get rid of these. I said, okay, we threw them out. And, uh, you know, we have plastic containers laying around and this and that. Bible times containers, they didn't just, you know, go to the store and buy a bunch of containers and bring it home, empty them out, clean them and say, oh, I got a bunch of containers. No, if they had containers, they were usually clay pots. They had to be made and somebody had to make them and they were not mass produced and easy and disposable and just lying around everywhere. And so, uh, you know, she had to go and, and find all of these, these containers that would be available and ask. And, and Elisha said, hey, don't borrow a few. Go find a bunch of them. And, uh, and you know, we think, well, she'd go to one house and get 10. No, she probably went to one house I got, I got one that's empty that, that I just emptied the other day. I'll, I'll let you borrow it, but I need it back. I mean, they're clay containers. They're not, they're not disposables. Um, and she'd go to another house, you know, and get another one. And, and, and she would have had, could you imagine going door to door to door? Hey, I need to borrow a container. I need to borrow a container. And, and, uh, and you probably didn't just carry them all around, probably took them home each time. And I don't know how much time was involved, uh, but she, it was involved for her to go and borrow all of these containers. And it was a great test of her faith. Is she going to trust God? Is she going to ask for these? Is she going to borrow a lot uh, like, like it was stated? Not only that, but also the qualification was empty vessels. In other words, vessels that weren't full. And, uh, and certainly that would be odd. And we kind of thought about that as, as she'd go to the door and the neighbor would be like, well, I, you know, I, I'd lend you sugar and I'd lend you an egg, but an empty container, that's kind of weird, you know? Uh, most people are, are willing to give a little sugar, give a little salt or whatever, and a cup of milk, and, 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 but an empty container in Bible times, that certainly was an oddity. And, uh, and so Elisha said, hey, go borrow these things. And it was a test of her faith. I want you to notice this in verse number four, as we see the test of her faith is borrowing. But look in verse number four. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons. And, and so we see her going into her house and closing the door. In other words, hey, this is not a spectacle for everyone else to gawk upon. In other words, uh, you know, you're, you raised a bunch of suspicion by knocking on all the neighbor's doors and now they're all peering out their window wondering what in the world is going on. And so when she goes into her house, God had given her the instructions, hey, close the door. This is not a public miracle to be put on display so that the entire neighborhood can watch God work. But this is a personal miracle that God is working individually in the life of this widow woman. What a great miracle that he does. And so he instructs her to shut the door. And listen, the work that uh, uh, we, we look at, that idea of shutting the door, uh, you can trace it through the Bible. It's quite fascinating. Elijah raised the widow's son when the door was shut. He went up to the upper room and shut the door. And, uh, and Elisha, uh, we'll see a little bit later in, in 1 Kings chapter 4, matter of fact, he'll raise the Shunammite's woman. Same thing, he will shut the door uh, and, and that person will be raised from the dead. What about Christ when he raised the daughter of Jairus? He went in and all those people were out there and they were wanting to see and he shut the door and said, hey, just the mom, the dad, and this daughter and myself. 
and that, that daughter was raised to life. How about others? Uh, Peter raised Dorcas from the dead in Acts chapter 9, and the door was shut there, and, and he went in, and she was raised from the dead. Listen, sometimes God's work behind the scenes in a private setting is not always a public forum. And, and listen, we ought to be looking for God to work privately in our life. We ought to be asking for God to look privately in our life and work in those things. And listen, there are times when just having a door shut and praying about something and, and watching God provide, not so that it can be displayed for all to see, but so that you can have a personal experience with God. Listen, there's times that God does work publicly. We know that. We saw that in, in the war with, uh, that had just taken place. We see that, obviously, in the great showdown between Elijah and all the prophets of Baal on top of Mount Carmel, a very public display, a very public miracle. But listen, there are times when God wants to work in our lives individually and privately. Listen, there's times that, um, that, that I have in my life and, and still do. There are things that I just pray about, just me. I don't publicize it. I'm not putting it out there. I'm just, there's some things that, that I will pray about personally. And I say, God, um, this, is just, this is just between you and I. And I want to see you work and I want to see you do something. Hey, I would encourage you, have some private prayers of your own where you would take something to God and you'd say, God, I want to see you work and, and experience God working in your life privately. This is with a woman. That's what Elisha had instructed her. Shut the door. It was an instruction of her faith. And, uh, and, and just saying, hey, I want you to go inside and this is something uh, that is not on display for everyone else. I want you to notice this in verse number five. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured out. She took that little thing of oil, that little pot of oil, that container that she had of oil. And she began to pour it in those vessels. There's a couple times in the Bible uh, where God does a great miracle. This is one of them. And, and the widow woman and her, her sons are there and they witness this. What a great bolstering of their faith to watch God work personally in their lives and their faith had grown. Hey, listen, it's good. It's good for your children to see God work in your life. You don't always share everything with your children. I get that. I know that. Uh, or, or even your grandchildren. But hey, it is good to allow them to see God working in your life and in certain things and in certain areas. And certainly this is what took place. Uh, she, she poured it out and her sons were there and they were watching and they were involved with that miracle. I think of the miracle when uh, Jesus is turning the water to wine and the Bible says that uh, uh, nobody else at that place knew what had taken place. But the Bible says, but the servants knew. They watched. They knew what took place. They had witnessed this miracle and, and they were amazed at it. And I'm just saying that there's something about being on the inside and watching God work in a private way and, and, and doing something special in our life. And listen, that's what took place here. She witnessed God working. Her sons witnessed God working and she poured out uh, and, and had a dedication of her faith. Listen, sometimes God asks us 
to do something. In this case, God was asking her to give of what little that she had, to invest what little she had, to take what she did have and say, you know what, I'm going to use this. Whatever God does with it, God does. And, and so she took that little bit of oil that she had and she gave it and she poured it out. What an important uh, instruction as we see all these steps that God has asked this widow woman to do. Listen, God's, God's miracles are not to make lazy people lazy, but they're to involve us. They're to have us work. They're to have us be active in what God would have us to do. And, and, and we're just kind of, if you look at it, it really doesn't make sense. She's like, okay, um, what am I supposed to do? And, and Elisha says, what do you have? And he, she says, a pot of oil. And Elisha says, go borrow some vessels. And she's like, wonder where this is going. Okay. She goes and borrows all the empty vessels and borrow not a few. And so she goes and borrows all them. And, and then she comes back and, and Elisha says, hey, I want you to pour that oil. She didn't know every step of the plan up front. She didn't know that God was going to provide that oil or multiply that oil of what she had. Uh, she didn't know how this was going to end. Uh, you know, maybe she just thought I'll put a drop in each one and, and I don't know what's going to happen, you know. But, but as she poured, God continued blessing and providing and it was was all the instruction that she was to follow and her faith was growing. Now, once you notice this, the deliverance of this widow woman, look in verse number seven, the Bible says, then she came and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil, pay thy debt and live thou and thy children of the rest. I want you to notice the stewardship of this deliverance. Uh, listen, she came back to the man of God. Isn't it good that she didn't just go to the man of God with her problems, but once she had all this oil, she went back to the man of God. Okay, I'm still not connecting the dots. What's the next step? What's going on here? I have all this oil and I have all these containers. What am I what's the next step that I'm supposed to do? And of course, God gave her instruction. The man of God gave her instruction. And, uh, and notice uh, how he provided here the sufficiency of his deliverance. He said there in verse number seven, go sell the oil, pay thy debt. The first thing that was instructed was, hey, get the money and cover your debt. Take care of what you owe. Uh, it's a biblical responsibility to, to, to cover what we owe. And so she covered the debt uh, and she was a good steward. And I want you to notice there at the end of it, he says, and live thou and thy children of the rest. In other words, hey, if you take what's left over after you've sold all of that oil, hey, you ought to have enough that you can live. Now, you have to be frugal. You'll have to be careful. Uh, he didn't say that. But, but, but listen, she was to take what was left and to provide. I, I'm assuming maybe it was a great deal of money. But still, once you spread that over time uh, and covering everything that she would have to cover, and she obviously had children at home still, and so she would have to provide for them. Uh, God was saying, hey, listen, it will be enough. You, you can do this. It's sufficient. Listen, God will take care of us. That's not to say that he's going to give us the new latest, um, you know, car that hits the market, the latest phone that hits the market, the latest everything else. But listen, God will provide for us if we'll look to him and depend upon him. 
And so we find that uh, she was taken care of. And she was uh, given enough to pay her debts and to take care of her and her, her, debt, uh, or her children. Um, not only do we see the stewardship, there's great lessons of stewardship that are there and the sufficiency, and God is certainly sufficient to take care of us. But I want you to notice the salvation as well. There's a great picture of salvation in this whole illustration. And that is, we sing the song, that, uh, or we, we hear the song sung, rather, that uh, I owed a debt I could not pay. Well, here was this widow woman. She had a debt she couldn't pay. I mean, she was in over her head, and she had problems. And uh, there was no way to take care of this. And uh, we sing that song, I, I owed a debt I, I could not I pay. And, and listen, uh, the curse of sin is destructive and, and it will kill joy. It kills peace and it destroys people's lives. And sin leaves us really with a debt that we cannot pay. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, for the wages of death, uh, is, for the wages of sin, excuse me, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Listen, the wage is what we earn. And because of our sin, uh, then we're left with a debt of, of death that we cannot pay. And we're condemned under the law. This lady was condemned under the law. Her two sons should have gone and worked to pay off the debt. There was condemnation involved. Uh, there was no way out of that for her. And, and certainly in, in our sin, there's no way out of our sin save Jesus Christ get involved. And pay our debt that we owe and save us from that. And so there's an illustration of salvation that is here in this as well. And then the counsel of the word of God. She went to God. She went to the man of God and the word of God explained her the, the steps that she should take. And listen, the word of God has the steps of salvation for every person. And that's what they need to know is how they can spend eternity with God, how they can have their debt of sin erased. And the word of God explains all of that to us. And so there's a good illustration of salvation in this lesson and in this, this widow woman's life and how she was delivered from, uh, from this, this circumstance and, and situation that she found herself in. And so we see all of those things as we listen, as we look at this widow woman's life. And I hope and pray that that is a help and a blessing to you as we look at that lesson and, uh, and all of those things. And there's certainly more that you could look at. Uh, those are just a few that we've pulled out. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you, God, for the lessons that we can learn. God, there's many lessons that can be learned from this widow woman's life. God, certainly the distress and then the directives of faith and God, how we are to obey your word and we are to step out by faith and God, sometimes it doesn't make sense and sometimes it doesn't fit in our mind or we don't know what you're going to do. But God, we're certainly grateful when you do things. God, I pray that you would help us to trust you. God, I pray that you would help us to see your sufficiency in all things, to see your provision, to see your salvation. God, I pray that you would help our faith to grow. God, I pray that you would bless, encourage, and strengthen each and every person that's here.
this morning. Father, we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As we have a short hymn of invitation, thinking about how this widow woman's faith was grown during this time. I don't know what problems, I don't know what struggles you go through. But I know this, we can turn to God every single time. We can look to Him. He'll take care of us. He's faithful. Maybe it's an act of faith. God's asking you to step out and do something. Maybe he's asking you to make the first move and he's waiting on you. He did that with this widow woman. 